Chapter Nineteen of Her Benny by Silas Hawking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lorraine Paquette. Chapter Nineteen The Borderland. For since thy hand hath led me here, and I have seen the borderland, seen the dark river flowing near, stood on its bank as now I stand. There has been nothing to alarm my trembling soul. Why should I fear? For since encircled by thy arm, I never felt thee half so near. Joe Wragg was in great trouble when he heard of Benny's misfortune. Granny was the first to make him acquainted with the fact that something was wrong. Benny had been in the habit of returning earlier on a Saturday evening since he had been with Mr. Lawrence than on any other day of the week, and when that evening wore away and deepened into night and Benny did not come, Granny got very much concerned, fearing some accident had befallen him, and so she remained rocking herself in her chair and listening in vain for his footfall all through the night. And when morning came she hurried away, old as she was to joe's house in the hope that he would be able to give her some information as to benny's whereabouts joe was thunderstruck at sight of betty so early on a sunday morning and her eager question dost a know where the boy is joe did not help to mend matters for a few moments joe's power of utterance seemed to have left him altogether then he stammered forth ain't he home betty nay joe i's never seen him since yester morn joe looked thoughtful for he had no reply to this and betty sat down in a chair evidently exhausted after a while betty got up to go i mun be a-goin she said he may a got home by now towards evening joe called at tempest court but nothing had been heard of the wanderer the night that followed was one of the longest joe had ever known and as soon as he was released from his watch in the morning he went at once to mr lawrence's office is the master in he said addressing one of the clerks no my good man was the reply he will not be down for an hour yet could you call again maybe you'll do as well said joe scratching his head can yer tell me what's become of the boy benny oh yes said the clerk smiling complacently he's where he ought to have been long ago where's that said joe in prison sir in prison in a tone of bewilderment even so with a bland smile i can't say as ow i understand joe stammered out very likely said the clerk so i will inform you that mr lawrence having his suspicions aroused placed a five-pound note on his desk and then set a watch well said joe eager yet fearing to hear the rest well continued the clerk this young friend of yours who seems to have been an old hand at the work was seen coolly to take the money but when charged with the theft a few minutes after he stoutly denied all knowledge of the circumstance but mr lawrence was determined to stand no nonsense and had him at once marched off to the lock-up 
for a moment joe looked at the clerk in silence then without a word walked out of the office when he told granny she was at first indignant to think that she an honest woman had been a arboring a thief all these months but joe soon talked her into a better frame of mind and it was then that she promised him that if the prodigal ever came back again she would not turn him away when joe read in the paper on wednesday morning that benny was acquitted his delight knew no bounds he accepted the fact as almost proof positive that benny was innocent and went at once to tell granny the news he found the old woman crying over benny's letter with the eighteen pence lying in her lap when joe came in she handed him the letter without a word joe blew his nose violently several times during its perusal then laid it down on the table and walked to the door to hide his emotion it was several moments before he could command himself sufficiently to speak then he blurted out the poor persecuted baron mun be found somehow betty and ears off to search good morning betty and before the old woman could reply he was gone during the next three days joe had but little sleep he tramped the town in every direction in the hope that he might glean some tidings of the poor lost lad but his labor was in vain and each evening when he returned to his hut it was with a sadly diminished hope of ever finding the boy again on the evening that benny hungry and forsaken lay down in the wood to sleep joe felt his heart drawn out in prayer in such a manner as he had never before experienced nearly the whole of the night he spent upon his knees now and then he got up and walked out into the silent street and gazed for a few moments up into the starlit sky then he would return to his hut again and pray more fervently than ever he had returned from his search that evening utterly cast down feeling that the only resource left to him was prayer he knew not whether the boy was living or dead he could hardly think the latter and yet if he were alive who could tell what he was suffering who but god to god then he would go and plead for the outcast boy and who should tell whether god might not regard his prayer and send help and deliverance to the child thus hour after hour he prayed on and when the light of the morning crept up into the eastern sky he rose from his knees comforted were joe Wragg's prayers answered no doubt they were not in the way perhaps that joe would have liked best and yet in the best way for all that god does not always give us in answer to our prayers what we think best but what he thinks best to weary worn-out benny god gave sleep deep dreamless and refreshing and in the morning he awoke to the song of birds and to the rustle of a thousand leaves the music sounded very sweet to benny's ears but it was not the music of heaven as he had hoped it would be he had waited there in the solemn wood for the coming of the lord but he had not come heaven seemed farther away from him than ever this morning and earth was painfully real he felt himself too weak to stir at first so he lay still occasionally opening his eyes to watch the slanting sunbeams 
play among the tangled foliage and light up the dewdrops that trembled on every leaf his head was hot and heavy and his eyes ached when he kept them open long and the pangs of hunger were coming on again what should he do he lay for a long time trying to think but his thoughts whirled and twisted like snowflakes in a storm perhaps i can get on a little further if i tries he said to himself at length and suiting the action to the words he rose from his ferny bed and staggered out of the wood he had scarcely strength left to get over the gate but he managed it at length and then fell down exhausted by the roadside how long he lay there he never knew but he was aroused at length by the lumbering of some kind of vehicle coming towards him along the road and by the shrill whistling of the driver nearer and nearer came the vehicle and then stopped just opposite him then he looked up and saw a shock-headed overgrown lad standing in what seemed an empty cart staring at him with a look of wonder in his great round eyes benny had reached a stage of exhaustion which made him indifferent to almost everything so he only blinked at the boy and then dropped his head again on the grass art attired said the boy at length ay said benny without opening his eyes will to ave a lift what's a lift i ride then if it's properer ay i'll ride but how am i to get in oh aise enough said young giles jumping out of the cart and lifting benny in as if he had been an infant golly said benny coming out with his once favourite expression you're mighty strong strong you should see me lift a bag of corn now dobbin to the horse gimeth away and the horse moved on at what seemed a stereotyped pace have a termit said the boy at length what's a termit lor now laughed the boy you must be green not to know what a termit is and he untied the mouth of one of several bags lying at the bottom of the cart and took out two and by the aid of a large clasp knife had both peeled in a jiffy putting his teeth into one he handed the other to benny who readily followed his example and thought he had never tasted anything more delicious by the time our hero had finished his turnip they had reached a small village and benny was able to get out of the cart unaided here were houses at last perhaps he might get work here he would try at any rate and try he did but it was discouraging work at many of the houses the door was slammed in his face in answer to his inquiry at a few places the person addressed condescended to ask benny where he came from and when he replied from liverpool he was told to be off about his business as they wanted no thieves nor pickpockets in their employ one kind-looking old gentleman asked benny what he could do anything almost was the prompt reply you're too clever by a long way laughed the old man but let's particularize a bit can you spud thistles benny looked bewildered he knew nothing about spuds or thistles so he shook his head in reply canst a wet a scythe another shake of the head take out arter the mowers 
no dibble tates i don't know humph canst a milk i can drink it if that's what you mean said benny ha ha mary raising his voice fotch the lad a mug of milk and in a few moments a stout red-armed girl brought benny a pint mug brimful of rich new milk ay ay said the old man i see thee canst do thy part in that direction will enough have another no thank you humph i fear thee'rt no count in the country lad but i could larn said benny yes yes that's true thee'rt a sharp boy i shouldn't wonder if thee couldn't get a job at the next village how far said benny short a two mile i should say thank you and once more benny set off on the tramp it was scarcely noon and the day was melting hot outside the village the sun's rays beat down pitilessly on his head and made him feel sick and giddy all the trees were on the wrong side of the road and he looked in vain for a shady spot along the dusty highway still on he tramped with fast failing strength a little way before him he saw a farmhouse with trees growing around it if i can only reach that he thought i'll rest a while nearer and nearer but how strangely everything was swimming around him and what a curious mist was gathering before his eyes ah there is the sound of voices a group of haymakers just inside the gate getting their dinner in the shadow of a tree was help at hand he did not know gathering up all his strength he staggered toward them stretched out his hand blindly for the mist had deepened before his eyes then lifted his hands to his temples as if struck with sudden pain reeled and fell senseless to the ground in a moment a woman raised him from the ground and supported his head against her knee while the men crowded round with wondering faces then farmer fisher came up with the question what's to do and the haymaker stood aside that he might see for himself boy's dead said the farmer with just a little shake of his head no said the woman he's not dead his heart beats still go and call the missus then quick then one of the men started for the farmhouse mrs fisher was a gentle kind-hearted woman at all times especially to children and just now she was particularly so for a month had not elapsed since she had laid one of her own children a boy about benny's age in the silent grave and when she caught sight of benny's white suffering face her heart went out to him instantly take him into the house john she said to her husband the tears starting to her eyes and send for the doctor at once so without further ado benny was carried into the house stripped of his dusty attire put into a warm bath and then lay gently in a clean soft bed in a cool pleasant room once only he opened his eyes looked around him with a bewildered air then relapsed again into unconsciousness the doctor who arrived toward evening pronounced it a very bad case 
ordered port wine to be poured down his throat in small quantities during the night and promised to call again next day will he live was mrs fisher's anxious question fear not said the doctor want exposure and i fear also sunstroke have done their work whoever the little fellow belongs to he's had a hard time of it and to such death should not be unwelcome during the next day benny was conscious at brief intervals but he lay so perfectly still with half-closed eyes that they hardly knew at times whether he was alive or dead his face was as white as the pillow on which he lay and his breathing all but imperceptible the doctor shook his head when he came but held out no hope of recovery so that summer sabbath passed away and monday came and went and tuesday followed in the track and wednesday dawned and still benny's life trembled in the balance the doctor said there was no perceptible increase of strength while the pulse if anything was weaker hence without some great change he thought the boy would not live many hours longer he had reached the borderland and was standing on the river's brink on the other side of the stream was the everlasting home where his nelly dwelt and where hunger and weariness and pain could never come why did he linger when he wanted so much to cross and be at rest for ever he had no fear and to the onlookers it seemed easy dying no sigh or moan escaped his lips he lay as still as the dead the day waned at length and darkened into night and mrs fisher and one of the servants remained up to watch by the little invalid it was about midnight when they observed a change come over him the brow contracted as if in pain the wasted fingers plucked at the clothes and the breathing became heavy and irregular mrs fisher ran to her husband's room and summoned him at once to benny's bedside john fisher was a kind man and needed no second bidding with a gentle hand he wiped away the big drops that were gathering on the little sufferer's brow then turning to his wife he said do you think you had better stay love i think he is dying no no she said i cannot see him die then after a pause she sobbed let me know when it is over john and hurried from the room end of chapter nineteen